Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. How many of you guys, just by a quick show of hands, how many of you guys had some kind of miracle that you can testify to in the last several months? Just raise your hand. Yeah, hands all over the place. Yeah. Come on, because God's doing stuff in our lives and in our church. Amen. God is moving. God is working. God is present with us. I love it. I love it. Um, well, before I get too far, I probably should take up an offering. And I thought I'd just try a different verse today just for fun. So, Bree, if you'll put up that First Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Um, it says to teach those who are rich in this present age. I thought I'd teach, teach all you rich people what the Bible says here. Because the truth is you are rich. You're rich in Christ for sure. But, you know, if you live in America, you're already like the richest 10% in the world. That's just a fact. And so, you know, lest we become too comfortable, we do need to keep our eyes and ears out to know what's going on with our brothers and sisters all over the world where the church is being persecuted. It's all over the world right now. And uh, it's even creeping up here. We see it. We feel it. You know, they're doing things behind the scenes, setting things up that we need to be aware of and pray for. One of the things I just keep thinking about when I, when I learn of, the, you know, marrying somebody from another part of the world uh, makes you more aware of, you know, things going on. It just does. It makes a difference. And uh, it's very easy for somebody like me who doesn't travel uh, internationally a lot, not like Josh over here, but um, it's very easy just to live in my own little world, seeing this far in front of me and forgetting the things that are going on. And uh, we need not to do that. We need to be praying for them because one day we'll be so grateful for their prayers for us. Amen. So it says, as for those, the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. So all you rich people, don't be haughty. Okay, don't set your mind on the hopes of the uncertainty of riches. Come on, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. When it becomes worthless, it's just wallpaper, right? You know, it's just, it's, it's worthless. Um, what, what's, what are things of value? What are eternal riches that we should be investing in? So don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but set your hope on God. Come on. Is your hope on God today? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God is my provider, not my bank account, not my, my job, not my business. God is my provider. Can you say that today? Say, God is my provider. So here's what rich people are supposed to do. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. I thank God that you guys are. This is a giving church, and I love that. Um, and it says, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Look, I can invest in my future right now by what I do with my money and my time today. It makes a difference, and I'm investing in my future by what I do with what's in my hand while it's in my hand. I might not always have the means or ability that I have now, but what I do right now does invest in my future. If that's not true, how could Jesus say things like, hey, give, and it'll come back to you. You give now. You're investing in your future because in the future, it comes back to you. Amen. It's good, isn't it? So praise the Lord. So let's 
thank the Lord for this opportunity to give into his work. Amen. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to give, to, to, to minister to the needs of the saints, to minister to uh, missionaries, and to further your gospel on the earth. Father, allow this gift that's so given generously every week to go into the ground and bring fruit for the kingdom of God. Father, let souls come into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to let you know a couple things. One, this is an official announcement. Next week after service will be our annual church business meeting. Um, uh, what we'll do is uh, as soon as church is over, we'll just take a few minute break to get your kids or whatever, and then come right back here and meet. It, I don't anticipate that it will take a super long time. Um, if you are a member and you know you're a member, there will be a vote next week. Um, we are um, bringing in rick seaton to be our next board member and so there will be a confirmation vote for him it will be yay or nay and so uh, if you need to talk to him and ask him anything or talk to me or whatever now's your chance to do it because next week that will go to vote um according to our bylaws uh the board the existing board member nominates uh a board member and brings that person to the congregation for confirmation that's how we do it so we've already of course spoken with him and and man, I don't know how many of you guys love Pastor Rick here. Just let me wave your hand or something. We do. Pastor Rick loves himself too. He raised his hand. That's good. I mean, come on. What a blessing to this church. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited about him being able to come on and help us and serve us in that way. And then I could even bug him even more than I do on a regular daily basis. So, uh, that will be next week. Um, and, uh, duly announced. So, uh, coming up tomorrow today after, after lunch or after church, rather the women, we're having a women's meeting, women's lunch and downstairs, um, get, get a, be a good chance for the first time of the year for the women to get together. Um, I realize it's a long day on Sunday. That's probably not what's going to be happening in the future. Um, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Sunday night there, I just, there, the class that Rick is teaching and the activities for the kids and the youth meeting on Sunday night, there's a lot of fruit there right now. It's, it's a great meeting. Uh, it's, I feel like God's hand is on it and he's blessing it. And, you know, we just can't do everything. So what we're thinking, or income and I have been talking and praying about it, honestly, for months, figuring out how to let the women, you know, have that opportunity to meet. Because you guys need to meet together just like the men do, to strengthen and encourage one another. Um, but uh, if we could at least... Uh, have have an opportunity for you guys to meet quarterly maybe probably will not be sunday afternoon it'll be at a restaurant or somewhere uh off off location just to where you can continue to fellowship and of course continue to do all the things that you guys do like nobody else welcoming new babies and <laughs> wedding showers and all those kinds of things but for the present time we don't want to um make you have to choose between staying all day and or coming to the evening service um there's so much good good going on in the evening service we want to continue that for the time being and uh, you pray because we're growing i mean if we had a couple more rooms we could do it on sunday night we we've talked about doing men's meeting and women's meetings on on sunday night you know from time to time but i don't know where we'd put them at the same time you know we, we're filling this place up and i praise god for that because three years ago uh, i was talking to some of the leadership here and we just came to the conclusion you know it's real easy for 
to measure your success as a minister and how big your church is and buildings and things like that. And we just said, we're talking and we said, no, we don't even want to do that. We want to wear this building out. <laughs> we want to use this thing and, and fill it up and wear it out. And that, we're getting close to that. We're getting close to that. Sunday night, we don't have enough classrooms for all the kids. Sunday morning is the same thing. But praise the Lord. Come on, that's a good thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because if we're faithful for what we've got today, God will provide what we need to continue to doing what he's called us to do. Amen. So that's today. Also to, tonight, uh, you're still on Skylar, obviously, right? Might be solo unless Corey gets healed really fast because we prayed a powerful prayer. Call him up and tell him he's healed. Get here tonight. But uh, youth are meeting tonight. And uh, oh, don't forget Thursday night. We started our um, a midweek prayer meeting with Misha. It was great last week. I was very impressed with how many people came just wanting to pray. Just one. We don't even have any snacks, man, unless you bring them. Bring your own snacks. Bring your own snacks. Bring your own coffee and come and pray. And uh, it was great. It was great. I love to be here. I love the presence of the Lord that was here. And um, I don't know what else is going on. Yeah. Don't forget church tonight at 530. Amen. So did I forget anything? Next Sunday, after the board, after the business meeting. Okay. Okay, Crystal said that next Sunday, after the business meeting, um, there will be a kids' workers' meeting. And so if anybody is interested in helping with kids, which should be just everybody, aren't you all interested in kids? No, anyway, talk to Crystal and um, be a part of that meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and Padrina, is she here? Did I there, there you are, Padrina. You sent me, you forwarded me um, a uh, an email from one of our missionaries, the Stricklands. Yeah. So we want to pray for the Stricklands. He sent out an email specifically asking the churches to pray. Um, we've got his little card back there if you want to pick it up and remember to pray for him. Uh, they're missionaries to Turkey. We've met them uh, recently. They've been in town just recently. Um, but come on, let's just lift them up right now. And is Scott his first name? Scott, Scott Strickland. Father God, I just lift up this family to you right now. Scott and his family as they're over there serving you in a, in a foreign land, Lord, in Turkey. Lord, let not this sickness hinder his work, Lord. Rather, let it increase his work. Let the testimony of his healing be something he can use as a tool just to beat up the devil and continue on path with all that you've called him to do. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just ex we look to you to, to bring sight to his eyes because one of the things that you said that you came to do was the recovery of sight. And so in Jesus' name, we stand for that. We speak healing to his eyes and we tell glaucoma to bow your knee to the name of Jesus and leave in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. It says, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now, if you remember the context here in Acts chapter 10, this is when Peter was speaking to Cornelius and his household. They were non-Jewish believers, and uh, this is one of the 
this is the first uh, instance, really, of significance where Gentiles were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And it says here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 44 that while Peter was speaking, when he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. What I think is interesting when you read this chapter in its, in its context, Peter did not expect his hearers to receive the Holy Spirit at that time. He was just talking. He was doing good. He was recounting all that Jesus had done. And he's talking about the miracles and how his crucifixion and his death and all of these things, his resurrection. And he's speaking. And he did not expect that the, the hearers at that time would be filled with the Holy Spirit right in the middle of the service. In fact, he wasn't even sure theologically if they could. He didn't know that. You know, he was so immersed in the belief that the Jewish people were God's chosen people. He didn't even know that, you know, that anybody else besides Jewish people could be saved. He knew they were chosen, but he thought maybe they were just chosen to be the, what, the, the beneficiaries of salvation. He didn't realize that they were supposed to be the ones who were supposed to carry salvation to the nations. And so here he is preaching and just going on, not even having the, the, the imagination or the insight or the, the foresight to believe that these people could be saved. He just came in obedience to a vision he had, and the voice of the Spirit told him to go. And so here he is in obedience to the Spirit of God, and he's speaking to the Gentile, to the non-Jewish believers, and he's just recounting the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and while he's going on, all of a sudden, the Spirit falls on all of those in the room. I think it's wonderful. The Holy Spirit couldn't wait for an altar call. <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit knew Peter didn't intend to give an altar call because Peter didn't know they could be saved. And so the Holy Spirit just kind of interrupted the service and just went straight and met the people. Amen. That's good, isn't it? So all who were there, all who were listening, listening to Peter preach, the Holy Spirit, comes upon them. You know, I heard it said many times that the that when somebody's up here preaching the word, the Holy Spirit will never interrupt the preaching of the world from the word, never interrupt the preaching of the word from the audience. I guess somebody that day forgot to inform the Holy Spirit that he wasn't supposed to interrupt the preaching of the word from the audience because here he did just that, didn't he? The Holy Spirit came and did what he wanted to do in the meeting. Holy Spirit, wait, I'm talking. We just got to the resurrection. I got to see him go up, you know. No, he couldn't wait, man. The Holy Spirit was free to move. He took his place. It's kind of like the belief that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll never force you to do something. Has anybody heard that? Yeah, not true. <laughs> not true. If the Holy Spirit were a gentleman, when Paul was going to Damascus to arrest those Christians, the Holy Spirit would have been waiting there on the side of the road, well-dressed, and said, excuse me, sir, can I help you down off your horse? And what happened? No, the light shone about him, and he was knocked down to the ground, man. He was stopped, because the Holy Spirit can do anything he wants to do, whenever he wants to do, wherever he wants to do. Right? Let's not put him in our little boxes, thinking that, he, he's limited when he is not. The Holy Spirit is not limited. What's limited? My thinking, my believing, my imagination. The Holy Spirit is not limited. Amen? Praise God. The Holy Spirit is not limited. 
And so here's Peter. He's preaching under an anointing. I'm going to talk today again about the anointing. Bruce, you can call this the anointing part three. Um, but he was preaching under an anointing and the impact that he was having as he was preaching was beyond anything that he could even ask or imagine. He didn't imagine that this was going to be the beginning of the, the Holy Spirit and salvation going to the nations. He couldn't see it. He didn't see it. He didn't understand it. Yet he's there in obedience and he's doing it by the anointing and the power of God. And he is more effective than he ever imagined he could be. How would you like to be more effective than you ever imagined you could be? Come on, we've got an anointing that we're supposed to yield to, that we're supposed to work with, right? The presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of God on your life makes you more effective than you could even imagine. And so I just want to say, you know, as we kind of get into this today, I fully expect the Holy Spirit to minister right here today in this room as he sees fit. Come on. Yes, healing, baptizing, saving, teaching. All of the things the Holy Spirit does, man, he is welcome and he is free because he's not limited here, right? You know, some would call this an interruption. I just want to tell you, an encounter with the Holy Spirit is the goal, not the interruption. Right? That's what we're here for is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So if he starts moving on your body or healing you or doing whatever, if he comes upon you, just yield to him. We're, we'll, we'll roll with it. We'll adapt to his plan. Amen. But God wants to do things right here in this room today. Right here. Even all the way in the very back. I've got seats up here just in case anybody needs them. If anybody else comes in, Bruce, send them up here, okay? But he wants to do things in this room that only he can do. Come on, we can lay hands on you and believe, but he does the work. He wants to do the work. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's his, it's his character. Why does God heal? Why does God do these things? Because he loves you. He loves us. And I don't, I keep saying it all the time. I don't want to frustrate the heart of God. I want him to be able to have full expression when we come together to meet. Amen. And so, you know, even right now, without the music playing, without the worship music, whatever, come on, don't you know that he is still moving? Right. It's not it's not connected to your feelings, although when he comes upon you, oftentimes it will produce a feeling mm -hmm. and that's OK. But it's not connected to that. It, it's 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 God. It's God in this place. It's the spirit of it's the anointing, it's the spirit of God that will come on your flesh and change it. Right. Not just make you feel better, change it. Do you believe that he can eradicate and drive out a virus? Do you believe that he can kill cancer? Do you believe that he can straighten paralyzed limbs? These are all things that he demonstrated. Not only while he walked the earth, but also in the church all over the world. Do you believe he can raise the dead? There are people out there who will teach that when you get saved, man, you received all there is of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever heard that teaching out there? 
well, I have the Holy Spirit because I got saved. And it says, I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. I've, I've heard that a lot. Because people, why? They want to hide behind their technical theological language, thinking that they're going to be safe from something that is maybe uncontrollable or embarrassing that the Holy Spirit might do. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I understand the concern because there's been a lot of silly stuff, really. There's been a lot of silly stuff blamed on the Holy Spirit. So I get that. I'm not into silly stuff. But at the same time, Think about this. If he can do beyond what I can ask or imagine, if he can take me to a place where I can experience him beyond my own ability, then I've got to allow there to be room for me to feel uncomfortable as he's taking me into a new thing. It may be uncomfortable. It may be awkward. But I've got to be willing to go there with him. Are you willing to go there with him? And I'm not talking about just silliness for the sake of silliness. I'm talking about walking with him into the things that he has for you. Look, he wants every chain to be broken. He wants, you know, when he spoke and he called Lazarus out of the grave, that Lazarus comes out, he's still wearing his grave clothes. And he says, unwind him, let him go, right? He wants all of those grave clothes taken off of us, all of them, so that there's not even the odor of the grave or of the tomb where we've laid before when we were dead in our sicknesses and in our sins. He wants to bring us completely free into new life where just like the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out of the fire, there wasn't even the smell of smoke on their clothes. So he wants to do that even right now, right now today, right now today. So today, like I said, I want to talk about the anointing. There's a definition. The anointing is the action of the Holy Spirit on your life that enables you to do, speak, or live beyond what you can do on your own ability. The anointing is the action, or you could say the presence, or the, the coming. You could say it different ways. I picked, I picked words that say the same thing so we could think of it differently. The anointing is the action of the Holy Spirit on my life. It's Him working with me. It's Him coming upon me. It's Him residing within me. It's Him being with me of the Holy Spirit on my life, in my life, through my life that gives me the power, right? That's what enables means. But see, we, and we're Pentecostals. We talk about power a lot, right? What is power? It's enabling. It's giving you the ability to do something you couldn't do, right? It's not just electricity you feel when you're praying. It's ability. It's ability to live a holy life. It's ability to walk out of that sin. It's ability to, to walk healed or minister healing to somebody else. It's ability. It's, it's, it's you being able to do something that you couldn't do on your own. To live and speak uh, beyond what you can do in your own ability. You, you could say it's the Spirit of God. The anointing is the Spirit of God or the presence of God or the power of God. All of these words are talking about the same thing. It's like in Luke 5.17, Jesus is speaking and it says, As he was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. I mean, if you think about that and you look on the maps, the Bible maps, that's all over Israel, right? Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And it says, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Why does it have to say that about Jesus? They're letting us know that Jesus, there was a power, an anointing of power, the presence of God, the spirit of God on him to heal. And so you look at what people could do with the power of God on them. Samson picked up a jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men. One against a thousand. Think about how many a thousand is. 
They can't even capture that on one of those action movies because it's just so impossible to your imagination. One man with a jawbone against a thousand soldiers. How did that happen? The anointing of God, the presence of God on his life. He did it by the power of God. Elijah outran the queen's chariot, right? Picked up his, his, uh, his robe, grabbed a hole and just started running, man. Outran a horse, strong chariot. I've ran 20 miles before, but it wasn't fast. <laughs> a walking horse would have passed me. But he did that by the power of God. And I think it's interesting that these are physical accomplishments. Think about that. Isn't that kind of interesting? Because, you know, a lot of times we, we're so used to the power of God or the presence of God when we meet together and, you know, we, we pray for things. But is it possible for the power of God to come on you and you can do your work more effectively? Is it possible? Can you raise your children <laughs> by the power, by the anointing of God? Yeah. Boy, I need it. We need it today, don't we? The world is not for our children. The world is not for godly principles and morals being being shared with her. They're against it. We have a lot of enemies out there today. We need the power of God in our families. We need the power of God in our church, or we're not any different than any other club that's just there, right? We need to do what we do by the power of God. And then so here Peter, you know, he's speaking by the Holy Spirit. He's doing beyond what he could even imagine. He's speaking uh, to the nations. He's bringing the Holy Spirit to the nations through his teaching. And so we're not going to do very much for God in a way that he wants to do without yielding and flowing and working with this anointing, the presence of the Spirit that he's given us. Amen? So when Jesus was ministering in Galilee, um, he, he came to a town called Nazareth, which was his hometown where he grew up. And when he got there, the people rejected him. There's a couple accounts of it in the scripture. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, he went away from there and he came to his hometown and the disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And I'm looking at that and you know the five brothers who, what, why, when, where, and how. I'm like, we've got what, where, what, and how <laughs> right here. We got three of them, all right? Where did he get these things? What is the wisdom he has? How does he do these things? We're missing when and why, but we'll get there in a minute, okay? But the answer is how, when, what? The answer is he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's exactly why he did it. Some people say, well, he did miracles to prove that he was the Son of God. That makes sense, right? But when you think it through a little bit, then why did the disciples do miracles? Were they trying to prove that they were the Son of God? No, they were doing miracles in his name. So, okay, so then they're proving that he was the Son of God. However you want to think it, uh, God gets glory when you get miracles in your life. When you are connected to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's on you, when you're working in cooperation with what he wants to do, he gets glory. And so the answer is, where did he get these things? What is this wisdom he has? How does he do all these miracles? And the answer is, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, they were offended at him. And so he couldn't even help them as much as he wanted to. 
You go on to read in Mark, it says he could do no mighty works there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. I don't know what kind of mighty works that, that he was wanting to do, but I do find it interesting that healing the sick was not considered a mighty work in that passage. It was just normal stuff that he did. If you came to Jesus, even where the whole city rejected him, and if you could get to him, you still got healed. But there was some mighty works. There were some big things he wanted to do in Nazareth that he couldn't do because uh, the people were offended at him. If you go with me to Luke chapter 4, you, Luke gives you a little bit more insight in his account. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, it says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. I like that Jesus. Re See, why does the Bible say that if it's not something significant for you and I to know? Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So what he's doing with, is with the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit on his life. And he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. A report about him went out through all the surrounding country. He didn't even have to ask people to give him likes on Facebook or any of that stuff because the word just spread. The word spread. God spread the word. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And then he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. See? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How could he do it? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then you know, as, as you continue to read there in Luke chapter 4, they eventually try to push him off a cliff. Now, how many of you know if you go into town and you want to do mighty miracles and instead they try to push you off a cliff, that could be a hindrance to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But they tried to push him off a cliff. I just want to say this. They were offended at him because he was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, if when you start operating in the Holy Spirit that God's given you, when you start flowing with the Holy Spirit, there will be people who don't understand you. There will be people who are offended by it. To be honest with you, as far as hell is concerned, when you start operating in the power of God and, and actually starting to look like Jesus on the earth, you, you end up with a, a target on your back and a, a price on your head. You really do. We, we say things like, oh, if we could just show the world Jesus. Well, Jesus showed the world Jesus and they killed him. So when we show the world Jesus, don't expect that everybody's going to love you. You start, you, start, you start walking in power. You walk in the Spirit of God. You have the anointing of God on your life. I'm just going to tell you, your picture will be up in every post office in hell saying, watch out for this one. If you see him, get him, you know. But come on, but you're in the anointing. You're walking with God. You can walk over that. What does he say? I have given you authority to tread, to trample down serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Come on. That's what the anointing will do in your life and in my life. Anointing will set you apart. 
And so if you look at the Luke, Luke chapter 321, this is the baptism of Jesus. Here we're going to get a picture of when, you know, who, what, why, when, where, right? Here's when. All the people, when all the people were baptized, Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So why? Why did the Spirit come upon him? I mean, think about this for a minute with me. Here is Jesus, who is God in the flesh. He is the God-man, right? 100% God, 100% man. But here he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's begotten of God. And now here he is receiving the Holy Spirit upon him in bodily form. Why? The key is found in Philippians. It's called, um, in the Greek, there's a Greek word, and it means emptying. It's called kenosis in the Greek. It means empty. He emptied himself. He laid down his divinity so that he could come and walk as a man. Philippians uh, 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. It goes on, talked about he made himself, you know, subject even to death on a cross. He, here is, he is God who humbled himself and took the lowest position that is possible to take. And then if you'll go on to read it, it says, therefore, because of this, God highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, the name of Jesus that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess to Jesus Christ. And this is our example. If Jesus can humble himself to death, I mean, he's not even asking me to, he's not asking me to go die for you. He's just asking me to humble myself and serve you. Think about that. Why do we stand for our rights and privileges all the time when here is Jesus who is God who is willing to lay down his rights and privileges? What an example. What an example. But I'm telling you, it's the pathway to the anointing of God. It's the pathway to the power of God on your life. To die, I must become less. He must become more. And the other thing I think is so cool here, look at this. Jesus is baptized, he comes up, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove. A voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. Okay, that's the voice of the Father. You see the Holy Spirit. Here's a good Trinity verse. You, you ever study the Trinity verses? I love, I, I, I had one Bible and I just marked all of these and put a little reference in the front. Every time I saw the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit mentioned together and working together, it's a neat, it's a neat passage. And here is one where you see all of the Godhead working in total agreement. Well, when you see one, they're always, the other are always there. I mean, he is one. He's a united one. Trinity means triunity. I don't know why we see different expressions of this, the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father. I don't understand all of that, but if I could understand it, then you would probably know it wasn't true. It was something I made up. But it's something that we just see in the scripture where we see God the Father speaking, this is my Son, I love him, and the Holy Spirit. And you see the whole, all of God working together all of God working together. And he, he needed a man to work with. And so we should expect, as Jesus is going around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, we should expect to see uh, the fullness of the Godhead working and agreeing with his ministry, right? And we do, right? Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. All three in agreement. And Jesus goes around doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil, 
for God was with him. Again, that's what the anointing is. God was with him. God with me. God with you. Amen? And so, stay there. Stay there. And so God's working in the life of Jesus. And, and even Jesus gives credit to, to the Father and credit to the Holy Spirit for the works that he does. In Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, But it's, if, it's, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if Jesus is saying, I can cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then and we're supposed to cast out demons. How much more do you and I need the Spirit of God on us to do what God's called us to do, right? You know, even in the Great Commission, he gives his disciples a commission. He tells them to carry this gospel into all the nations and preach repentance in my name. And in Luke 24, 49, the last thing he says before he leaves is, hey, and I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Stay here because you're going to do this. You're going to go into all the world. You're going to do the same things I did. You're going to do greater things, but you need this first. You won't be successful without being clothed with power from on high. You won't be successful without this anointing on your life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give us the same anointing that he has. He wants you and me to be able to carry this anointing and give expression to the Holy Spirit. He wants to be able to work through his body, the church, with the same freedom and the same liberty that he could work through Jesus when he walked on the earth. Are you willing to be that man or that woman to do that? And so this, the anointing then is not a method. The anointing is not a method. The anointing is a relationship. It's a connection with God, right? We need to not protect. I've said this a couple of weeks ago. We need not to protect and get all defensive about our methods. What we need to do is protect the anointing, go after the presence of God, right? Because when it comes down to it, does it really matter if we sing a hymn or a contemporary song? If the presence of the Lord is here, it doesn't matter. If the Lord is not here, it doesn't matter. All right. Does it matter when we go to minister to the sick? Do we, you know, do we intercede? Do we lay hands? Do we anoint with oil? Does it matter if the presence of the Lord is here? It doesn't matter. There's a great freedom when you're operating in your anointing. Or I should say his anointing, but his anointing that he gives to you. You know, he, he sees you as, as one with him. But, uh, there's a great freedom. I read this two weeks ago, but I want to read it again. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. This is what, this is what the prophet Samuel spoke to, um, King Saul before he was king. The spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with him and be turned into another man. Thank God. Verse 7. And now when these signs meet you, do what your hands finds to do, for God is with you. I like that. When these signs, when the Spirit comes upon you, when you're anointed of the Spirit of God, just do what your hand finds to do. Because why? Because God's with you. There's a great freedom to do what is ever, whatever is in front of you. Acts 10.38, right? What does it say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all. Okay? It doesn't speak of a great agenda in this verse. It speaks of a great anointing. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's not that I have to go here to this one and this one. I can't go to the, you know, it, it's not that it wasn't that critical. I'm anointed. So I'm going to go around doing good to all who are under the power of it. That's, that's the attitude that heaven has. 
That's the attitude that we see in Jesus. And I want to show you just a couple of verses here uh, to show you just the great freedom that you have when you're when you're anointed by, of God and when you're connected to God. Okay, John 15, verse 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Listen to that, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you, what freedom. But what's the, what's the condition? Look at the connection. Abide in me and my words abide in you. I'm connected to God. I'm flowing in the anointing of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on me. The power of God is on me. And I'm connected to him. And now I can ask whatever I wish and it will be done. And look at the next verse. God gets glory when you do that. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's not trying to alienate. He wants to pre, he wants to say, look, that's my follower right there. Look at him. You need help. Just get, get to Patrick over here and you can get what you need. You can get healed, man. You can get saved. What do you need? I, I, I'm, that's my son. That's my servant. And, and it brings him glory. But I love this. Ask whatever you wish. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. You remember this? Jesus answered them and had said, have faith in God. Look at that. Faith in God. Look at that trust connection you have with God. Okay? Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Look at that. Whoever. Whoever says to this mountain, verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Whatever you ask, look at the freedom that you have when you're in your anointing. And then Matthew 10, 38, look at this one. This one shows you just the connection, the oneness that Jesus uh, sees with you. Verse 38, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, you see, that's a pretty heavy verse, isn't it? Right? We're talking about truly being connected to him. This is not a flippant thing. This is, I've considered the cost. I've laid down my life to follow Jesus. I'm not going back. This is where I'm at. But then it says in the next verse, and whoever receives you receives me. That's scary. I mean, if, if any verse this morning should scare you is the fact that Jesus wants to so identify himself with you that he can say, if they receive you, they receive me. Man, are you living that life? Am I living that life? Come on, how many have ever felt rejection before? Yeah. How many of you guys know that you can, I'm going to say this. It is possible to be rejected by somebody, and they're not really rejecting Jesus. <laughs> they're just rejecting you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Have you ever done anything that has offended somebody or they didn't like, you know? But can I live a life so much that if they reject me, they're rejecting him? Can I be so uh, just connected, I don't know a better word, connected, filled with the presence of God that the, what they see is not me? but him. And so to receive me would be to receive him. To reject me would be to reject him. And that's what we're called to. That is what we're called to. And so it's not a method. It's just, it's just being connected to God through the power of the Spirit of God. And so what that leads us to is this. It's a life of feeling and yielding. This is it. Feeling and yielding. Stay filled with God, whatever that looks like to you. Stay in his word. Stay in prayer. Meditate on the things of God. Keep your mind, keep your affections 
on the things of God rather than on the things of this world. And then yield to that. Yield to him. It's, an, it's not about getting more of God. It's about God getting more of you. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. Come on, he must increase, I must decrease. You know, the Holy Spirit, when he, when he moved inside of you, when he came upon you, when you've been baptized, if you've, if you've received that, he, you have the Holy Spirit. He's a person. You have the Holy Spirit. But what do I need? I need to yield to the Holy Spirit so that he can live big in me. Sometimes it's me, it's I who get in the way. It's my flesh, it's my attitude, it's my thoughts, it's my agenda, it's my program, not his. And that's what hinders him from having full expression in my life. It's not him. He's unlimited, right? He's not limited. He's without limit. It's me. I am the problem. I was going to say, turn to your neighbor and say, you are the problem, but I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> I am the problem. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's why people like some of the old timers, A.W. Tozer said this. He says, it's doubtful whether God can bless any man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Okay, just think about that for just a minute. It's doubtful that God can bless any man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I'll just be honest with you. I used to have trouble with thoughts like that. Because, I mean, I know God's the healer and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, I just, I re, I resist that. <laughs> you know, I rebuke that. But then I started to understand, you know, as you start walking with God and you start seeking God, you start to understand what they're saying. He's not trying to wound your spirit. What he's trying to do is get you to lay down your life, to take up your cross and put to death the flesh so that the spirit can shine through right and sometimes my my flesh is too strong and it feels like i am being wounded deeply when i have to make hard decisions and lay down my flesh to go on with god that's what he's talking about when he says to be wounded deeply you know they talk about brokenness um how they you know you just lay down and you're broken before god i think some people have an easier time surrendering all to god and just giving it some of us like we're headstrong, man. <laughs> We're strong in the flesh, man. And it takes a lot more work for us. And we make it harder than it should. What if we could just live open-handed? God, here I am. But no, as long as I'm clinging, as long as I'm grasping, I've had to pray at times, God, you don't quit on, you don't quit on me. I won't quit on you. He'll never quit till you reject him. But I'm like, God, I know. I know I'm headstrong. I know I'm working through this. But God, don't quit. Don't quit. We're going to get there. <laughs> We're going to get there. I'm seeing progress. Amen. It's good. But we've got to lay down our, our whole, the whole Christian life is laying down ourselves. And that's the key. But he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the, there, humble yourself before the hand of God so that he may exalt you. The key to real exaltation is not self-exaltation. It's humility. It's a dying so laying down myself so that he can live through me, that he can show himself strong through me. So we're living in a world right now where there are forces that are just bigger than us. Just honest, like sin is a humongous force. Sin, sin likes to be the boss. Have you noticed? 
You read Romans 5, man. Sin ruled the world. It governed the world. Sin and death working together is what governed this world before Jesus came and broke its power. But sin is still here, and it still thinks it's boss. And it's big. It's a big force. You've heard the expression, sin will take you farther, cost you more, and keep you longer <laughs> than you wanted to stay or where you wanted to go. And it does, doesn't it? You give yourself to it, and it will take you for a trip, man. <laughs> take you for a long trip. doesn't give up easy. Sin likes to be the boss. But there's another thing in this world working, and it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's bigger than anything you and I could ask or think or imagine. The power of God is at work. It will take you farther. And it will allow you to do more than you ever imagined that you could do. The power of God. But here's the thing. Both, whether it's sin or whether it's the power of God, I get to choose which one I'm going to lend myself to, which one I'm going to yield to, which one I'm going to give expression to in my life. I can yield to the sin. I can yield to death. I can yield to the Holy Spirit. I get to choose. And I'd love to say that once you become a Christian, it's all over and, and, and you never have to choose again. But the truth is every day I get to choose what I give expression to. I get to choose whether I'm feeding uh, the part of me that is connected with God or if I'm going to feed that old flesh that just wants to hang around. I mean, you read the Bible, you get this idea that, you know, you can come to a place where you kill that, where you've disciplined the flesh. And thank God there are certain things that were temptations to me years ago that aren't even on the radar anymore. You can grow and learn and all this. But come on, renewing your mind is a process. And we're at different places, right? We're at different levels of understanding and operating in this. But that does not mean that this power is not available for all of us as long as we learn how to step into it and yield and cooperate with what God is doing. And when you do, when you cooperate with the anointing, you're cooperating with all of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, working together to express himself in you and to show himself strong in your life. You know, can a person be so desperate for sin that it consumes them? Isn't that the basis and the foundation of addiction? Right? And even, even if we remove the physiological aspect of addiction, there are still people who are so hungry for, for money or influence or power, right? That, that it consumes them. It's what they think about. It's what they give themselves to constantly. But here's my question for you today. Can I desire God to the same degree? Can I give my heart to him that when I wake up in the morning, that's the that's all I think about. That's what I care about. That's what I want to do to see him working in my life, move it in my life. I don't want to be distracted by these things. You know, it's a lot easier to say no to things of the world if I'm looking at the direction I'm supposed to be going. All right. I think sometimes we preach against sin. We should preach against sin. We, we, we need to. But if we preach against that without having a place to go to look for power and strength and our future, all we're trying to do is just not do things. <laughs> and we can't remove ourselves from the influence. But if I can take my affections off of the thing of the world and put my affections on Jesus Christ, now I have somewhere to walk. And now I can watch this stuff just fall off of me as I pursue him daily. That's what he has for us in the anointing. It separates you. It leads to holy living, clean living. It leads to the power of God on your life. It leads for you and I to be able to minister. Come on. I think, I think, um, 
you know, spreading the gospel is a lot more fun when you have power coming out of your body <laughs> and people getting healed and set free and delivered, right? When you're speaking the words that God told you to speak and the Holy Spirit's lighting people up, you know, it's a lot more fun than just trying to sit there and convince and argue. And, and then, then you always end up, you know, just trying to prove why a good moral life is better for the society than a, than a, than an immoral life. And, and, and what, what basis do you have to stand on? Man, let the Holy Spirit just bear witness witness to the truth that you're speaking. We're cooperating with God. We're cooperating with God when we speak the word of God. I wanted to share this with you. Um, I, I, we've shared this a, a couple of months ago, but uh, in, in India, where Rinkim is from, uh, the neighboring state, they're having all kinds of trouble. It's still going on, but in her state now where she's from, I just saw um, they outlawed healing. They made healing in Assam illegal now. Yeah, that's what I said. What? <laughs> I watched the clip. The, 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 the president of the state said, no, we're, we just passed legislation that makes healing illegal. Because they studied the church. And the church is growing because of how many people get healed. We shared when we came back uh, to America a couple of years ago of the church made up of Damasa believers who are not Christians. They are um, basically Hindu, and uh, but they have a Christian community. And why? And we, we went and ministered in their church, and afterwards we sat and we talked to them. And we said, so how did you get saved? How did you leave your family, get ostracized from your community? Why are you here? And over and over, testimony after testimony, I was sick. I went to the Hindu gods. They couldn't heal me. So I tried to be a Muslim and that I didn't get healed. So I asked a Christian to pray for me and I got healed. And so now in Assam, healing is outlawed. So I'm not sure what they do. I'm not sure if you get caught being healed, if you have to give it back. I'm working that out in my mind. I don't know what that looks like. I'm going to guess it's looking like the book of Acts where when they did these miracles in Jesus' name, they wanted to put them in jail for, for doing it. I'm going to guess it's something around that. But look, if the godless government is coming against these kinds of things, you know that God is for these kinds of things, right? You know that this is in the heart of God. You know that this is what God wants to do. Man, let's let's work while it's day. Amen. Let's get everybody in our world, in our life, exposed to the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the anointing of God. And let's be ministers right now today in our place while we still can, while it's free, while we don't have to go to jail. Well, we don't have to sit here and say, okay, you want me to pray for you? I'll be glad to pray for you, but I know I'm going to risk jail. You don't have to do that today. Praise God. That's good. So let's do it, man. Let's cultivate. Let's work. Let's give ourselves to the power and the anointing of God. This is what we need. We need men and women of God who can carry the anointing and live the spirit-filled life. Amen? This is what we need today. You with me? Hallelujah. Okay. Well, I've got, I don't have any music playing or anything like that, and that's fine. Um, but I just, I just feel like we need to give God just a moment to express himself how he would like to express himself before we go. And so I don't want to just, just rush through this. Um, if you need prayer, um, just come forward. If anybody knows where my wife is, that would be great just to tell her to come. She can pray with me. Um, but uh, is she? Okay. Well, that's okay. I'll pray. God answers my prayers. Rick will pray. God definitely answers Rick's prayers. No, but let's just take a moment.
Let's just take a moment and uh, let's just minister to one another in prayer. And let's just give the Holy Spirit a freedom to do what he wants to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we just look to you. We yield to you. Lord, in this room right now, just take your liberty. Take your freedom to just do what you want to do. Father God, don't be frustrated. Don't leave this meeting wishing you could have done more, wanting to do more. Father, we don't want to be like those of Nazareth who are opposing you or not listening or not being willing. We're here. We're in your presence. Father, let every chain be broken. Hallelujah. Every, any, any pattern that needs to change, patterns of addiction or, or just habits, Lord, we all need to grow. We need to leave things behind. Father God, let that be broken here today. Let us walk in the newness of life. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you the past is over. It's behind me. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for meeting needs in this place. I know there, I know there are, I know there are needs. And Lord, we just look to you. You're the provider. You're the healer. You're the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah.